Welcome to Season 3 of The Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. All right, so welcome to The Lifestyle Chase. This is episode 179, and I am joined by Lorelai Ramel. Did I get your last name right? <laughs> um, Ramel. Okay, because I was going to ask that before we started. I was like, oh no, I'm like, I didn't ask. So Lorelai Ramel, did I get it? Yes. Right this time? Okay, I've... I've yeah, uh, would you like to hear a story about my wedding? Absolutely. So um, it was... So one of my high school friends, her mom is an officiant. So she married us and she practiced and she sent me a text message about how to pronounce it. And so I said, Ramel, like mammal. And so after our ceremony, she announced us Mr. and Mrs. Mammal. Oh <laughs> no. But like, actually that's a really great way to remember so it. Like that, yeah, that kind of sticks in my head. Um, so how are you doing today? Like kind of run us through what a typical day for you is during this time. <laughs> we're kind of in the phase that we're at, gyms are open again, um, you're a trainer, so uh, run me through it. Oh, geez, I was like thinking about my day with my baby. Um, <laughs> so today actually was a day off. Um, okay, I don't even know where to start because getting back into the gyms with the baby is fun. Um, and I guess he's not really a baby anymore, he's a toddler now. So uh, it's been interesting to shift kind of back and forth in and out of this like gym atmosphere i've been really lucky lots of my clients will move into virtual training when the gyms are closed um so that's been in some ways convenient because you know like i can handle my baby with the things i have or put him down for a nap so transitioning back to the gym um let's see wednesday i only had one client and tomorrow i only have one client and the next week i start stacking them so I try not to stack more than two clients at a time because I have to accommodate driving time, feeding time, and my favorite nap time. Um, as a trainer getting back into the gym, it's, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's like a mixed bag. You know, there's lots of anticipation going back in. You don't know kind of what to expect. I don't trust the government. So I'm always like kind of hesitant. I'm a little bit on edge. And then I walk in and it's like, coming home. I see people that I know, it feels familiar and I'm just excited and honestly inspired to be there. Like it, it makes me feel so good to be back in gyms and my yoga studio. I went to my first yoga session this week. Oh God. Amazing. Amazing. Well, yeah. I mean, just being connected with people and being around people is a big game changer. Um, I'm just going to give the audience a bit of backstory into like what inspired me to have you on the show. And then we'll kind of go back into like how you started into the industry. So kind of something that's always stood out to me, I was like training a client in the gym and then I saw like you were getting ready to, to have your child. And so you're getting closer and closer to it. And I'm like, how is she still doing all this stuff? Like, that's crazy. Like I would be thinking about like 
what had gone wrong in my day and making up all these excuses. I'm like, she's over there just kicking butt and she's about to have a baby soon. And then you had your baby and then you're still like cruising around the gym. And so that kind of perspective was something that I thought would be important to talk about because um, I think in a lot of situations, uh, people can, can find themselves feeling like their environment needs to be perfect, but their environment just needs to be their environment. It's kind of similar to how you talked about that feeling coming back to the gym, kind of having it feel back like, like at home again. And I thought that um, it's not too often that I interview someone that has been training people throughout or around their, their pregnancy and has balanced that whole navigation of being a mother and being a trainer all throughout it at the same time. And like, this is going to happen quite often. Like, uh, there's a few, um, local friends in the industry who are about to step into motherhood and stuff. And I just thought, um, to put, put, to put you on the platform kind of gives them a, a opportunity to not feel all by themselves. And then to quickly segue, uh, when I was kind of getting prepared for this interview, your career kind of started back in like 2012 or so. Is that about right? Yes. Yeah. I graduated from Nate in 2012. So with that, like what, what first inspired you to get into training? Like everybody has kind of their backstory. It's different for everybody, but let's hear yours. Do you know, it's, it's actually interesting to think about it because it, it is very relevant um, to what you've, you've kind of discussed that you wanted to talk about today. So um, I'll keep this friend anonymous. I hope she doesn't mind. But a friend and I were driving home from a funeral one day back in like 2000, I guess, nine, 10, you know, eons ago. And, um, and she was really young when she had her daughter. And she was like, you know, things have been really tough at home. And uh, I realized that where I'm working right now um, isn't going to be enough for me to be able to take care of my child. And I don't know that I'm always, always going to be able to you know, rely on my partner or like more specifically, just knowing that if she didn't have her partner to rely on, should anything happen, she was not able to sustain that. So she was like, you know, my parents will pay for my schooling. They're going to pay for me to go back to school. And Nate has this online personal training program. So that's what I'm going to do. It's really flexible, blah, blah, blah. So she was a mom and she wanted to be a trainer. And I thought, yeah, that's really cool. That that makes sense. Cause you know, you like run and stuff. And I didn't, I didn't do any of that. Um, and then I just kind of like had this moment where I like connected with that feeling for myself that it made sense for her because of the lifestyle she led, but that a lot of people probably live lifestyles like me where like, I don't know, I'd like sign up for a, a trial at hot yoga and I'd go and I'd be sore for a week and then I'd never go back, you know, or I'd like in grade 12, I wanted to lose weight, you know, for grad and I'd go every day and I'd work out for three hours. God only knows what I was doing. Um, but, but I just, I felt like if, if that's what that experience was like for me and how intimidating the gym was for me, um, reflecting on, on how her, I don't know, announcement kind of made me feel that I, I just felt like I could maybe appeal to more people like myself. So I like to describe it now as like a, if you can't beat them, join them strategy. So I hated the gym. So I figured I should become a personal trainer. I like that. And I mean, just to like sort of make it so that more and more people would relate to it. it's like 
everybody should be able to walk into the gym wall, like the walls of the gym and be able to look around and see someone that they, they can relate to. And that's not always the case. And so the, the more different personalities and, and backgrounds and experiences that come into the gym, whether it be trainers or like fitness enthusiasts, the more accessible fitness becomes to a person. And, uh, like, I mean, it's no easy task to be in this industry. Like it's a very like mentally grueling industry. Uh, like throat. how did your expectations and the reality line up? Like what were your expectations in comparison to you where you're at now being able to look back and be like, Oh, I was right. Or I was wrong. Like, like what's, what's the outcome there? Um, do you know what? I actually never planned for training to be a long-term strategy. When I went to school, you see, like I grew up really poor. I had to pay for my own schooling and I was never taught how to save. So when I looked at school, I wanted to know what would pay well. We'll talk about that. Um, what would be like a reasonable amount of schooling and what would give me the opportunity to go back to school again. And so again, that flexibility of personal training, I thought, would lend itself. And I always planned on going back to school. Um, so the expectation for me was that it would be short term and part time. And it's ended up being long term. I'm not, you know, working full time now, but that's because I have a baby. Um, but I, I've actually been able to be really successful in my training career, which I don't know, like I, I never really, I guess I just never really considered it to be something that I would be passionate about. Yeah. So that would be like that kind of expectation thing. The pay well, that one's really fun because, you know, people like to talk about like how expensive training is, but you know, what we forget sometimes or maybe take for granted as a whole is like the pandemic being a great example when like things just drop off the face of the earth. So sure that like single dollar hourly rate is pretty good, but then you have to take into consideration, you know, your overhead, your driving time, the time that you put into building rapport with these clients, maintaining the rapport, building the program communications. Um, and then just that like up and down, right? Because we don't get a full eight hour day back to back very often. And if you do, it'll, it'll kill you unless you're somebody incredible like Andrew, maybe you are incredible. I don't know. It, it's exhausting for me when I um, was running a studio and I worked 40 plus hours a week. It was, I think the most unhappy I've been in my life. Sorry, guys. Um, love my clients, love my clients, loved my work, but it was just so draining. Like you said. Yeah, definitely. So exhausting. Well, I mean, it just, it kind of comes down to a person being self-aware. Like uh, it's cool that you mentioned Andrew, cause he'll be coming back to the show at some point next week. And he's been on the show in the earlier episodes. I think it was like 58 or something. If anybody wants to dive back and listen to Andrew Coates. Um, but it's just like, everybody's built different. Like, mm -hmm. why why should we fit ourselves into a template that's not us if, if it's not going to have a good outcome kind of thing? Like, um, when you're able to balance your energy to support, like you got you got a dog, you got a cat, you got a baby, you got a family, like you got so much stuff going on, just like everybody. And in order to be at your very best for, for each of those parts of your life, um, that's going to require you to have the self-awareness to kind of know like what is a, a full schedule. Cause like it, there is the perspective of knowing that a full schedule is still full, even if it's only a certain amount of hours dedicated to each thing. 
because you're kind of like you're fulfilling your purpose of which you set out to do and you're meeting the needs that you've defined for yourself. Like um, some people might be like, I, I have this big goal to get a Lamborghini. Well, then they're going to have to like do things accordingly. And other people might be like, I want to travel and they're going to have to do things accordingly. And it's kind of comes down to like, what are the things that are important to that person? Which is a great segue for the next thing we're going to talk about. Like you talked about kind of like your upbringing, it fairly humble, kind of uh, not necessarily like the easiest. Um, what are the things that have been most important to you throughout the last like 20 years or so? Like things that are consistently just they, they bring you home or they, uh, they help you bounce back when you come across struggle. Um, expand more on that if you could. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's, it's really simply like my network, you know, my, my people that support me, um, having friends and, and as I've gotten older and as my business has expanded and I've continued to develop these relationships with various people, you know, my network has gotten so large. Um, but really like just the influence of people around me that I want to be around that I want to relate to and that I want my life to look like. Um, so like, I learned how to save when I found out that it was possible to have like $3,000 in the bank. I had this boyfriend before I started college and he was paying for his tuition, like just with, you know, the money that he had and it blew my mind. Like, I just didn't know that was possible, but once I knew it was possible, then I, then I wanted that. Right. And so I, I learned and I practiced and I figured it out. Um, you know, and so even, even today, like I'm just, forever grateful for my network of like clients, friends. I was telling uh, a friend recently, you know, like, oh, my two of my bridesmaids have babysat for me. So my, my best friend, Taryn, um, my maid of honor, she babysat for me so I could go for a run and with, with my other bridesmaid instantly. And then another bridesmaid who's a good friend um, and actually used to be a trainer with me, she babysat so I could go for a massage. And my friend was like, wow, those are nice friends. Yes, I'm very lucky. So it's it's that network and that support from people. You know, my family, um, my parents, you know, they did their best. Things were hard for them. They do their best today to support me in ways that they can. Um, but I have just learned so much by expanding outside of that scope of my family to learn what is possible to relate to experiences and just pick up as much as I can moving forward into my own life. I totally get that. Like, I think that's, that's basically what's helped me in, in my career is just like building networks, building really strong connections and, um, just like putting people first, like not worrying so much about getting to that next level or that just achieving that next thing, like that carrot at the end of the stick, but just focusing on the here and the now and, um, really paying attention to the people that we have in front of us and like sort of finding ways to prioritize us like you talk about how you were able to go for a run with like the support of of your friend network and just being able to take care of yourself with that support and it kind of just comes down to that uh clear communication and just kind of like um letting people know how they can help you um oh yeah when when we talk about that, when is the first time that you can remember when you learned to let somebody know how they could help you? <laughs> 
So um, after I finished at Nate, I got this really amazing job working for the Canadian Paraplegic Association. And I moved to Calgary to be like a fitness coordinator. So we opened up this gym um, at the like office. They had a little separate space um, that was accessible. And it really focused on like getting people up. So we had these like, I don't know, like kind of like a recumbent bike that would like go up and turn into an elliptical. Um, and we like did this program well, I started the program where we were able to like introduce exercise in a very different way than what you typically see um, in clinic at OTs and PTs for people with these spinal cord injuries. Um, yeah, really cool opportunity. Um, anyway, so I like spent my life savings because this was kind of like a once in a lifetime whim opportunity to get out there and move like all the money I had put aside had to go into that. My Starbucks that I worked at had closed in the same month. So I was like already between jobs before I had been between jobs. And then I had to like do the move, pay the deposits, pay the rent, like all of those things. So I was back in Edmonton visiting my now husband, but then boyfriend, not the same one that I referred to previously. Um, and I went to the bathroom while we were out for lunch with some friends and I dropped my phone on the floor and it was tile and my phone shattered. I mean, shattered into like actual slivers of gas, glass. And I was like, well, this is a problem. <laughs> so I went to the Apple store and my only option was to replace it. And if I like piled every single penny, I mean, every penny I had access to, I was able to pay for the phone, but I had like nothing left. So I called my dad and I was like, hey dad, here's my situation. Um, I think I have enough gas to get me back to Calgary, <laughs> but uh, just in case, can I borrow like 30 bucks for gas? And he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like I, I can't. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And he's like, well, do you want to ask your brother, my, my little brother? No, not really. Well, he's, he's got money. Okay. Okay. Like lowest moment of my life. And my little brother comes onto the phone. Hey, Alex. Um, here's my situation. Can, can I borrow 30 bucks? I'll pay you back as soon as I can. Like if I, if I don't use it, I'll give it back to you right away. And he was like, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, no problem. So he sent me money and then I went back to my now husband, then boyfriend, um, who lived with his mom. I went back to their place where I was staying while I was in Edmonton and she knew about the phone smashing and she came down into the basement and just like handed me some cash. It kind of makes me want to cry. Like, <laughs> And I just like, yeah, like it's still emotional to this day because it was like just this moment where I never would have accepted that under any other circumstances, but I like did not have a choice, but it was like the first opportunity I had to practice um, allowing myself to receive support and then practice asking one day. That's, that's uh, like to think about that. I can, I can relate in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, the pandemic year was tough for a lot of trainers. And yep. uh, one of the ways that we've connected over the last year is you referred me a client. Um, business was a lot slower for me. And I had a very similar reaction when that happened. I was like, wow, what timing that is. Uh, that's pretty key. So like one of the things that I'm doing over the next while is uh, a lot of people have come through the woodwork to, to support me and people in the local industry. And I'm getting them on the show to kind of like... Uh, support them back in whatever way that I can. So um, 
anybody that's that's watching this right now or listening um like you're good people so they they should follow you on on social media and and kind of keep up to date with with your career and everything um to kind of get us back on track after we've gotten ourselves a, a little emotional um what was the toughest moment of the first three years of your career we're kind of like we're taking out the magnifying glass we're trying to like dissect things it's just everybody's gonna have that moment that moment where they're like oh man do I really want to be here or do I want to like just uh keep going and I think so much about uh just anybody that starts off and you see so many times like somebody will get two years into the industry and then they're they're out and like sometimes it's they're doing something that's better suited for them and sometimes it's just if they just had someone to say what they did to keep at it that would help them so what was your experience like in that that first three years or so oh man okay so yeah tough you know i mean when i came back from calgary uh i i didn't finish my contract there because i was so homesick so i had nothing when i went and i came back with even less um and i man i worked hard you know like i didn't turn down any client i asked everyone to come in for a consult like I didn't even wait for them to ask me I just asked them you know and um and I worked two jobs I was a server at Joey's then um and I kept that up until um a trainer that I worked with had some personal issues and um unfortunate for her it didn't go super well but I was ready to go and I was there when it happened and I was able to just like slide my way into handling it um, and, and covering some like loose ends, tying up some loose ends. And, and that was kind of like my segue into full time. But one of the biggest challenges I had to face in the beginning of my career, but it really doesn't go away as the pandemic graciously reminds us is what happens when shit hits the fan, because it will, it undoubtedly will. Um, so for me, the first time shit hit the fan was um, when I had to uh, take care of my little sister. Um, I had to, I don't know, make a report to the police, child services got involved. There were some sticky situations going on. There was a lot of courts and, um, and I, I crashed, you know, I was struggling. And I do this thing, I'm actually, people don't really know how to read me all the time. I can be really awkward, um, I'm quite direct. And sometimes that can come across as being abrasive, um, particularly when my ammunitions are low. But at the time, I wasn't aware of it because um, nobody nobody said anything. They just thought I was a giant asshole. Um, so there were situations where some of the colleagues I worked with were like, there was actually one that I learned about um, where he came in and was giving his resignation. And they were like, well, hold on. And he's like, well, Lorelai's just an asshole and I can't work with her. So I don't want to be here anymore. And they were like, okay, well, here's the situation, Lorelai. We know you're not totally an asshole, but everybody else thinks you are. So figure it out or GTFO. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what, what did I do? That was an asshole thing to do. And they were like, well, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, like it does though. Cause I, I don't know what I did and I don't, I don't want to do it again. So like, I need you to tell me. And so it kind of like became this, like, cat and mouse game of me saying awkward things and people being like maybe don't say that oh okay um but at the same time so like this awkward situation and then like 
this thing happens and shit hits the fan. You start losing track of your schedule. You don't have that balance. And my clients fell off the table as well, right? So my full-time workload gets cut to pieces. I have just a handful, like two clients left. And, and now what, right? And so like, I went back to work, like back to work. I went and got a second job again. I had a friend who was a manager at a Starbucks and she hooked me up and helped me out while I got through that until I was able to get myself back above water with training. And man, like that's what it is, is having kind of a, a backup plan. And my backup plan now is I'm married. So thank God for my husband. Because when the pandemic came in, you know, like you said, it's been a hard time. And, and you know, I'm, I was kind of like lucky in a way because I had already been planning for maternity leave. So, you know, I was ready to not work for other reasons, but um, I always feel like I would have a much harder time if I didn't have my husband supporting me the way that he does. And I have gone back. So there was like, I started as, as a server then I went back to Starbucks and then I actually went back to serving at Famoso in 2017 and I worked at the farmer's market and even in 2019 farmer's market. That is awesome. Like just, uh, there's not very many times when people share like that part of their career. And I think that's important. Like that's kind of why I have this podcast is because I think that is what helps trainers stay in the game. I think that's what makes us personable. Um, you talked about how like just the abrasiveness of a personality. Like I think a lot of people get misread. Like um, I probably get misread because I can be very quiet and introverted and so I've just started explaining it just right out of the gates. I'm like, look, like if I'm not saying something to you, it's not because like I don't want to. I just don't have a tendency to be super social in large groups. I I start talking lots in groups like of one or two people. And it was kind of cool because like when we connected about uh, me taking on, on the client that, that you weren't able to, to help, um, we did that video call and then we were able to kind of like talk about who we each were and our training style. And I thought that was so important. And like, I've made a point to do that with more and more trainers, like in Evolve, outside of Evolve, locally, far away, because then you, it's kind of like how we reaffirm the value of like your support circle or like your community, your friends, um, same thing goes with training. Like if you're going around looking at a room and seeing your competition, you're missing out because what you're, what you yeah. could be getting is like this support group, like people that, that give a crap, like when you're not at your best and they have like the tools to help you. Like when you're in a facility full of like people who help people for a living, when you're down, one person in that building is going to have a way to help you, whether it's, mm -hmm. um, getting you out of your head to go for a walk, reminding you to get off your phone. Like I've, I've had some good chats with Michael Dietrich the last year. And mm -hmm. if, if anybody reminds me to get off my phone, it, it's him, whether he says it directly or by leading by example, just being like when, when I am back and like for him, when he's back in Edmonton, um, he's off his phone. Like he's going to talk to the people in front of him or he's going to go enjoy the outdoors I actually, I ran into him the other day and he saw my crazy farmer's tan. I, it's just <laughs> right red on my arms and legs. And he was like, dude, have you just been inside since like March? And I was like, yeah, pretty much <laughs> because like, I, I spent the weekend outside. Um, but it's just, 
the the growth and the abundance you get from making friends in the industry versus trying to compete with each other it's night and day like uh nobody's going to take anybody else's job we got all kinds of people that we can help um not everybody's going to relate to every single trainer. They're probably just going to relate to one or two in the facility or something. And yeah. those people are going to be the people that help them navigate. And then we need all hands on deck in a time like this. Like, have you oh, yeah. seen that? I think you've probably seen that reel going around with Will Smith going into oh the gym. God. Yeah, I saw it like a few days before you posted it. And I sent it to you. If I had known that you liked Will Smith, I would have sent it to you. <laughs> That's Will Smith and Dwayne Johnson, like top notch for me. They are Matt. like top notch actors. And it was just like seeing that and just seeing how many people shared that reel and how they were feeling reaffirmed to me just how important it is for people to like come together as a community and like help each other stay sane. Like, um, I know a lot of trainers need to do a better job of like going for their walks and their runs and their going for their massage rather than being so concerned about what else that they can add to their entourage to help other people make sure that they are at their best so that their help is actually help, you know, like not just mm -hmm. like thinking mm -hmm. that they're helping, but actually helping. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. it's Go ahead. Sorry. One of those things I think where like the, the lifestyle becomes like as a trainer, I think, and it's something I see in, in you all, like a lot, it's honestly just mind blowing and inspiring where like that fitness needs to be a lifestyle. Like you have, you have to live it so you can sell it. You know what I mean? You can't just like sell stuff for other people and not, and not do it yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, official that way. It, it has to be like a part of how you go about your day. It doesn't need to like identify you. You don't need to be like a power lifter or a bodybuilder, but like there needs to be little aspects of your day that correlate with what you're working on. So like to, to explain that better, like if I'm working on training myself like four or five, six days a week, um, the other aspects of my life need to align with that. So that would include like cooking for myself so that I'm getting proper nutrition because like a very good chance that I can get, more servings of protein and, and vegetables and whole foods if I'm cooking for myself than if I walk through a store or order in. And then it's just like being able to keep activity levels high to be able to support that volume of training. Like if somebody's going to train that many days in the week and also have the energy to be present in their relationships and stuff, they're probably going to have to maintain some level of activity outside so that like their energy balance is higher and so that they're not just like sleeping whenever they're not in the gym kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So then in the last two years, what are like the biggest achievements, like the things that you were most proud of? Maybe it's something that you've kind of thought of to yourself and not many people know about, or maybe it's things that are like a trophy in your trophy case kind of thing. But just as far as like your training career, what are, what are some things that kind of stand out to you that uh, m make you feel like, hell yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> um, man, there's like, I don't mean to sound, well, no, I'm going to own it. That's fine. There's like so many things. I mean, I could be like quite generic or general, 
or I can be very specific, but what's coming to mind is a specific one. So um, I have this young client who was referred to me by an old client that I trained years ago. Um, and she came to me after having um, a difficult motor vehicle accident. And she had been out of exercise for a year. She wasn't allowed to exercise. And as she was trying to reintroduce it, much like many people are going to experience after the pandemic, she just found that she would burn herself right out. She'd go to these workouts on her own or with her partner, and then she would just feel worse. Everything would be worse. So um, injuries, chronic conditions, that's kind of my thing. Um, and so my client sent her to me, who is now my client. And she actually used to be, um, I don't know, like a semi-professional cheerleader. Like she, she cheers for perfect storm. And she wasn't able to continue cheering. Her fitness was not where it needed to be. So the goal was to get her back into it. And uh, actually, it lined up really well that when I would have been on maternity leave having a baby and when the pandemic hit was the same time that she um, had to audition or just before the cheer team. And um, she made it. She's cheering again. But it doesn't just stop there because not only is she back on the cheer team, but she is like in peak condition. And then, you know, when the pandemic hit, she moved back home and so did her sister and her, you know, brothers there. And, and her sister started doing her workouts with her, like on her own. And then she really liked what she was doing. So then she became a client. Right. And so, so it just kind of like snowballed that way. So I'm like very proud of getting her like literally to her goal point. Like I just, I see her and I'm proud of her and I know she's done a good job and, and it's validating for me because sometimes I, I do feel a lot of imposter syndrome and, and when I see that come to fruition, then it makes me feel good that I do know what I'm doing and there's value in what I do. Um, I feel like there was something else, but that's okay. Yeah, like it's just really cool to see that come together. So that's like one kind of example of something that I'm really proud of. Definitely. And I mean, it reiterates the importance for anybody that's like, um, thinking overthinking too much about like their growth as a trainer, just focus on one person, just do a really good job of one person because it, it's amazing how that expands into another person or just that ripple effect and just, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, how it can give you that that sense of purpose in the sense that you don't feel that imposter syndrome. And then that's going to allow you to show up more proudly and more like in a way that you know what you're doing and then you can move forward and, and you have more passion to learn more and stuff like that. Like I know for myself, like if I get a small win, I'm way more likely to, to seek out ways that I can get my next win. And so that might be like pursuing uh, more education or mentorship, or maybe it's, uh, just putting myself out there, trying new things, speaking, um, talking to new people that I haven't talked to before. Like the last week I've set up some, some video calls with people and just like, um, just about anybody who reaches out, I'll set up a video call with them because there's so much to be gained from uh just having that that conversation and like sometimes it's just a quick half hour conversation but like whether it be that i gain something from it or i'm able to help them through something that they're going through and then i've built a rapport with one more person that day like that that's kind of like my big thing that i've really leaned into 
Um, but I've really uh, rambled and I kind of want to get back to something that's that's an important thing for you. Your your husband. How did you two meet? Like what what kind of got <laughs> things rolling with that? <laughs> we met in college at personal training school. Um, I like to joke that we're like a little bit of a celebrity couple at Nate because all the professors like know that we're still together and now we have a baby. So that's like really exciting. Um, though lots of those professors are now retired. So still cool. Um, yeah. So we met as trainers. Um, I, I, I don't know. He, he caught my eye and I suppose I caught his though. He, he played hard to get. He's sneaky. Um, he's, he's hard to get with everybody though. It's not just me. Um, yeah. And, uh, I don't know. We just kind of, we just enjoyed hanging out with each other. That's kind of where we started. We didn't really want to like put any labels or expectations on anything. And then it just kind of kept going. And as time passed, it's been 10 years now. Um, things have just changed is inevitable. So they changed in the same kind of growing direction. Yeah. So he's actually one of those guys, you know, that, that used to be a trainer and I think he made it five years, I guess, four or five years before he, before he quit. And, um, and then he became a paramedic, which is like uh, a double-edged sword kind of about how I know that client I referred to, because I said that my sister moved in with me and that's actually how I met that person. Um, that client was because he helped me out with my sister and then, um, and then he's a paramedic. And so him and Ryland have like kind of crossed paths or like, you know, kind of cool that way. That is super so that's cool. That's awesome. And it's just like, uh, I like that you brought up the whole like changing and evolving at the same time kind of thing, like with you and your husband. Um, because I think that's, that's important to recognize. Like, when people have any kind of a connection with somebody like they're going, everybody's going to change and evolve and it's going to come at different paces. Um, and so it's kind of like keeping, keeping your circle manageable. I'll say that like, it doesn't need to be close. It doesn't need to be wide. It just needs to be manageable. Something that uh, keeps you balanced, keep you on track, like being surrounded by people that are kind of evolving in the same trends, but also being aware of the people who are different because we can always grow from people who are different than us. Um, and it's just like, that's so important for just the sustainability in, in our health and in, in the training career, because nobody gets through this stuff by themselves. Like as much as it feels like we do, we don't like, Quite often when I have a bad day, I'm like, oh, dang it, just going through all this stuff by myself. And then I like go through a checklist and I'll kind of, even if I look through my calendar, I'll be like, okay, looking at all these things, I'm like, okay, that person had something to do with that. I talked to this person, they helped me with this. I'm like, okay, I'm not by myself. And so that's sort of like an exercise that I recommend for people if they are encountering stress or feeling discouraged is like, kind of take a reflection, kind of like journaling. Um, reflect on the people who have been involved and the people who have helped you or uh, given you insight or or just impacted your life because then you're gonna be in the right headspace to keep like trudging forward no matter what it takes yeah I mean I have like three things to say I'll try to keep them like point form and brief and the first one is um, speaking to that end I have so much respect for the way that you like take that time to acknowledge the support you have and, and just honor it and pay, pay the support forward. Like it is, 
incredibly humbling if I'm being honest with you, because I like, I don't really feel like I did that much, but I'm, I'm so grateful for how grateful you are. Um, I think it's amazing. Uh, so that's one. Two is speaking to that like network of support because the way that I actually knew about Evolve was that my husband worked with John at World Health. So then to the same end, um, my husband also worked with Andrew Coates. I'm not sure at which World Health, to be honest with you, but I know that they knew each other. And so that kind of like gave me, um, I don't know, like a connection, right? With Andrew. So when I when I met him and, and we connected, I was like, hey, by the way, you know my husband, you know? Though I suppose at the time it was fiance or maybe boyfriend. I can't remember where we were. Um, what was that last one? I don't know. All right, two. That's awesome. Well, I mean, it just like, it's kind of like, remembering that every single interaction that we have could turn into something like um i there's actually a new trainer out of evolve that uh they were doing their practicum and i kind of i put myself in their shoes and i was like okay like how how would i feel if i'm in this environment and i'm like a newer person like would i feel intimidated so I was like, well i'm just it's COVID, but I'm going to hold the door and I'll keep my distance, but I'll keep the door open for them so that they kind of know that like, they're not by themselves in here. Like I probably won't say much cause that's just the way I am, but I'll at least hold the door. <laughs> and I've actually like chatted with them and given them some advice. Like I, I always feel kind of out of place giving new trainers advice. Cause I, I feel like a new trainer still, but um, just some, some guidance and stuff. And like that, this would be the one of the craziest times to start a career. It's like, oh, seriously, you're you're finished your your certificate or your diploma or whatever way you got into the industry, and it's like, okay, now let's go. And like half the gyms are going out of business, and like the the other half are closed. Like it's just like, what are you gonna do? And so it's um, there's gonna be some incredibly talented people coming out of this because like, if they're going to be proven that they want to be here and I'm here for that kind of attitude, like if there's any kind of a new trainer that wants advice, most people have actually kind of reached out to me. Like, but if you listen to this show, if you want help, just send me a message and I would be happy to book a video call or just something that I can help somebody out, but also just know that most people in the industry would probably do the same kind of thing. Oh yeah. I'm like, same here. You know, like I actually hired a trainer to cover my maternity leave a second before the pandemic hit. And then, and then like shit hit the fan. And then we decided to continue working together. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been a challenge and we've, we've discussed the priorities that make sense for us and what our goals are for whatever, how we're working together. But like, it is, it is inspiring to, to help other people and just like take what you learn and apply it because you know we've been in this industry for a few years we've we we've struggled and we've overcome those struggles and and to be able to like take those lessons learned and pay it forward I think is going to be something that makes it less of a struggle for somebody else or at least like you said make sure that they know they're not alone when they're struggling and I think there's a lot to be said for that which reminds me of the third piece I was going to say which was when the gyms closed down and I was like so pregnant. Like I was literally a month away from starting my maternity leave. Um, I just had this like deep, deep sense of existential loneliness. Like it plagued me, you know? And I remember talking to my counselor about it and he was like, well, are you alone or, or is it more existential? And I was like, you know, 
Like I have a list of people that I can call. And I mean, like it's extensive. There's not a single person that I can't call. And in fact, through the pandemic, I actually have a, had a client who lived just down the block from me. And there was one time, and actually it's happened more than once because she knows where I live now. My baby is like screaming at me and he won't sleep. And, I, and then I start crying. And then she comes to my house and she helps me. And like, <laughs> so am I lonely or alone? No, certainly not. But there's like that existential sense of loneliness where if we just take the time to slow down and look to where we can find support, just that ask, just that connection, there's, there's a lot more out there than, than what we give credit for, I think. Absolutely. Um, something that you reminded me of as you were sharing that, um, after you've had your baby and, and you're going through that, that process of being a new mom, like what's the biggest struggle that you've had and how have you overcome it? Like, just like, maybe it's like a mental struggle. Maybe it's like, uh, <laughs> just anything uh, that just pops out because there's going to be so many people that, um, are probably going through a similar process and I certainly can speak to it, but I hope that they would be able to hear you and be able to think, okay, like it, it's normal to, to like kind of go through things that are tough. Yeah. I mean, what a, it's, it's deep, you know, it's so like, I, I mean, <laughs> I'll start as far as like, you know, I look back at these pictures of my son as a newborn and there's, there's a picture of him like five days old, with his fingers in his mouth. And I remember being so concerned about his fingers in his mouth because my mother-in-law told me that he would get a bad habit of sucking his fingers or like sucking his thumb, which, you know, you can't take their thumb away. So you want them to like use a soother instead, which incidentally he does not use. Um, and when I look back at that picture now, I'm just sad inside because I was so distressed. And what it really was, was like babies, they seek comfort in their hands. They learn about the world with their hands. And I mean, when you're five days outside of the womb, like, my goodness, if, if, if we think that birth is traumatic for us, like, what is that like for a baby that has no way to comprehend or communicate or ask for support by any other way than scream and cry? Um, and like sometimes fingers in your mouth is a communication that they're hungry. And for me, looking back, um, we have had issues with sleep from the get go. So that is, that is a struggle. Um, but like we had issues with his weight as well because he had acid reflux and then also he had a tongue tie. And so that affected my supply. And so my, and he had a poor latch, but affected the supply and the latch was due to the, like the tongue tie. And, you know, it just kind of like digs in that way and it's such a simple thing that when I look at that picture with his hands in his mouth I'm like man I bet you he was hungry you know um so all of that to say one of the struggles is like those shoulds actually that's really the biggest struggle is like that balance between like mom guilt and should because as I said my child is a terrible sleeper and in my mind, I feel a little bit like an imposter because here I am complaining about how hard it is to have a baby that doesn't sleep. He was up last night at 10, 1, and then by 3, I just took him into bed because I was like, this isn't getting better. Um, you know, and it's like, oh, well, I should, I should probably sleep train, you know? And so who am I to complain if I'm not doing the thing that you're supposed to do to fix the problem? But the problem is sleep training just like doesn't connect with me. It's not something that I've feel excited about even though I would love to sleep I don't feel good about that solution and sleep training has a broad spectrum so let's not get confused because there's like gentle ways to do it there's attachment-based ways to do it which is what speaks to me but 
you know, it's just that I feel like I know my son best and my gut does not say that this is the answer. And still I struggle through it. And then just like man, those struggles, because, you know, I worked so hard to try and make him sleep. And it was this, it still is this power struggle. And I just missed out on all of these opportunities where I could have just like submitted to that moment and been present with my child. But I was so afraid of missing out. I was that, that loneliness. I didn't want to be away from people. Well, I mean, in the pandemic, what people I could be exposed to. And truthfully, we had to like toe that line really awkwardly and carefully because you're not supposed to have people in your house. But like for the first year of his life, my son's not supposed to know his grandparents and I'm not supposed to have my parents over to help me in my house, you know? So that has been like just such a struggle, like that mom guilt of all the like mistakes we make where we could have done better, you know? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) it's that is how people need to show up. They just need to be like, look, like this isn't easy. It's not straightforward and there's no one size fits all, but we're just going to do our best and enjoy the moment. Like just kind of like lean into the day or uh, put our best foot forward. Like there, there's just no, no one size fits all. That's just the way it is. Um, There's a question that I ask each one of my guests and it's cool to kind of see the perspective of like how each person sees it. Um, so the question is, if you were to give one piece of ad- advice to someone on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? Um, I mean, I feel like this is so cliche. I wish I could have something cooler, but I think it has to be to slow down. We always want to do more and more and more, but it's, I feel like if we leave ourselves wanting a little bit more, like it's way easier to talk yourself out of something than it is into something. So if you just leave that space for more, then you won't have to like work so hard to fit it in, if that makes sense. So like you want to be, you want to take the time to slow down, be present in those moments when you're struggling, you know, sit with the struggle, right? Like get to know it, familiarize yourself um, so that you have the space now to take a deep breath, you're not drowning and you can come out of it. You can look for something, right? You can think to ask for help or like, you know, we're constantly like trying to fill our schedules, make more money. That is an ironic goal for me. I don't want to make more money. I want to spend less. That's my goal. You know? So like, how can we take this life that is so full and busy and demanding and slow down so that we can like look out and enjoy it more and have the space and the capacity to be present when we're enjoying it. Same for workouts too. Like if you're constantly burning yourself out through a workout, like if you leave a workout and you're feeling like you could probably do more, I would call that a win because when you're toast, you don't really want to go back to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And everything about that makes sense. Like um, it's valuable to slow down and you brought up the point of like not being so focused on, on making more, but thinking about spending less. And like that is, (laughs) That's advice that like a wealthy person would give. Like I've had some really cool, (laughs) I've had some really cool conversations over the past couple of years or year and a half, however it be, um, made a lot of new friends and and there's some business owners that I've spoken to that would say the exact same thing. And it's, it's opening. It's just like, you don't think that that is what it is, but that is as simple as it is. It's just like 
resort your priorities, kind of figure out where you're like losing, like figure out the, the leak in the canoe and fix it. Um, and quit worrying about like bailing yourself out constantly. Cause at some totally. point, like we all die at some point, like we, we need to remember like life is to be enjoyed and to be like, y- y- we need to focus on the people around us in our workplaces, in our life and everything. Yeah. I think when you slow down too, you can really learn to be like happy with what you have. Right. Instead of again, demanding more, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I would love to travel for sure. I love traveling, but also I have a really good life. Like I'm quite happy in my life. This is a conversation my husband and I have often because he like craves more. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm living the life I wanted. You know, I, I love my work. I love my family. I love my home. Could my house be bigger? Yeah, sure. Does it have the bathtub of my dreams? No, it does not. But you know what? It'll do. It's good enough. Totally. My and body I mean, could be better too, but you know what? It's good enough too. Like, you know, being able to like just own where you're at in a way that feels right is an empowering feeling. Like, it's not like we have uh-huh. to settle for something, but if we can feel like empowered in our present day, that's, that's pretty cool. And that's going to help us like evolve in the right direction that we want to. Um, the next part of the last bit here is that I get my guest to give a challenge for the episode. And so essentially all you have to do is your challenge for the day is, and then you just tell them what their challenge is. So if you have something on your mind that you would like to inspire the audience to do, I will pass it over to you to kind of put that out there. Well, this is going to be a little bit controversial, but, uh, it was something I was thinking about in the shower today. I tell stories for everything. I'm so sorry. Such a rambler. Um, a girl that I know posted recently about the way she sees herself. And one of the things she mentioned was that she feels like she's ugly. And I, I wanted to like respond to it and, and like tell her something to redirect that, right? Like how can I, when I look at myself and I say, I'm ugly, how can I redirect that? Like, I'm beautiful. Every somebody thinks you're beautiful. What? I don't know. Um, there's a place in the world right now where appearance is difficult to navigate because we want to give it neutrality. We want to give it value and we don't want it to be like dependent on any one thing. So when I say this is my challenge, um, I want to challenge everybody to tell somebody they look good. Oh, yeah, because the reason why I was thinking about this is because I don't really, like, think I'm attractive. Like, I, I don't think that I'm ugly, but, like, I don't, I've never really connected with, like, having an attractive appearance, but I believe it. So, I don't see it, but I believe it, and I believe it because people have told me. And so, that's why my challenge is to tell somebody that they look great. That's important. I mean, that's something that sometimes we forget to do because we think everybody just thinks it. But if we say it to somebody genuinely, like with our chest just really say it because we believe it it's probably going to help somebody else believe it too and i don't think that when they feel like they look good that day yeah well like i mean i was again talking to michael dietrich and he was saying like that that's something that he was trying to to do more of is just like find ways to compliment something about a person like if you're seeing somebody do an awesome deadlift go tell them they're doing an awesome deadlift if their shirt is awesome tell them their shirt's great like just get used to looking for these things 
Like it's not going to detract from your success or the amount of friends that you have. It's probably going to benefit. So if everybody got into the practice of being like, okay, who is in this place and what looks good? And it can be all kinds of different like ways of seeing things, whether it be like the way that person spoke looked good or the way that that person drove looked good. Like there, there's a lot of well, different perspectives to see it. That's exactly it. Like it doesn't have to be for any one specific reason, but just that you can like look good as you are, you know? Absolutely. And with all of that being said, like, I'd like to thank you so much for being on the show. It's so cool to have you on. And that basically it's wraps it up for the day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I do. I feel privileged. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Ah!